Buddy, I'm glad you could join us this week on the Drunken UX Podcast. This is episode number 44, and we're going to be talking about automatic WordPress, Tumblr, and what the hell it all means. I am your host, Michael Feenan. I'm your other host, Aaron Hill. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing the spot of all right. This episode of the Drunken UX Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Porkbun. If you head over to Porkbun. Dot com. You can get a free year of a dot .design domain name for your website. Just use coupon code DRUNKENUX at checkout. Wait, what? Free stuff. I like, like a domain registration? A whole domain registration for a full year for free. Hell yeah, that's SSL, cool. SSL certs and, and email hosting and all that kind of stuff. They're got a good little, good little gig going. I literally didn't know about that till now, so that's, that's pretty awesome. That's because <laughs> I handle all the business side of stuff, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's actually pretty slick if uh if you go check them out uh you can look at uh porkbun.design or uh-huh. uh they've got some other stuff like you can look up airbnb.design facebook.design and several of these um and it's like it, it's actually a really nice domain name to use to like share oh, your, your uh, design system or pattern library uh, i was like that's actually a really great it's kind of like you know dot dev if brilliant. you use dot dev uh I like because I've got my .dev site and I use it for all my dev work and sharing code and things like that. So, oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, obviously you can put whatever you want on it, but <laughs> it's a, a novel oh, so use of, of the deal. So, huh? Cool. Uh, what are you drinking over there, my friend? I have a Kraken and ginger beer. It's like it's almost a dark and stormy, except I don't have any limes. Uh, the ginger beer though is Fentiman's, which I got at the Ithaca Coffee Company. It was recommended to me by the barista there, and it's quite good. That's very nice of her. I've got a, I was about to say a, a bottle of, well, I do have a bottle. I'm not drinking a whole <laughs> bottle because that would be insane. Glass of uh, Macallan 12, just a nice, simple Highland nice. scotch. I've had it before. Uh, many people have. It's it's actually for a Highland, uh, they age it in sherry uh, casks. So it's kind oh, of right. super rich, very sweet uh flavor to it that usually like i i generally associate highland scotches with more of a grassy kind of lighter note but um mccallan goes the other direction it's like it's almost like mccallan is like a a highland scotch that wants to be a space scotch is kind of huh. i think about it i i'm not drinking it tonight but i did pick up a bottle of lagavulin 16 uh to, to celebrate fancy and boy. um it was it was pretty good ron swanson would be proud of you <laughs> yeah. My girlfriend says that it that it tastes like uh, smoky band aids. That that is a fair fair assessment. Yeah, yeah, it's not. She's not wrong. Um, I I tried it. I tried it both neat and then also on the rocks. And and I think that like with like one or maybe two ice cubes, like it it does like you said, open up, open up the flavor. Yeah, it it gives it. It does give it a bit more space. Um, so it's good. I mean, it's different. And very potent. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, it, it <laughs> very is, different from the Balvany. It is distinct. That's, yes. Uh, yeah. I, I tell folks like never, don't ever make an Isla Scotch the first experience you have with Scotch because that's <laughs> that's why a lot of people are just like, oh, why would you drink Scotch? It's awful. 
Well, if that's your first experience, yeah, it's kind of like coffee. You know, you, you yeah, get started exactly. on coffee going to Dunkin' Donuts and McDonald's and crap. And then as right. you get older, you learn, like, to appreciate more robust, flavorful coffee. And, and your palate becomes more attuned to it. But if you just, like, jump into that, like, civet coffee or something like that, uh, <laughs> it'd be... No wonder if you think it tastes like ass. <laughs> uh, if you don't know... If you don't get the joke there, go look up Civet Coffee, C-I-V-E-T. I'll leave the surprise for you to look it up. My my joke is less funny now because you explained it. Thank well, you. I think that more people can appreciate your joke now because that was a, that was a very good joke. But I if you don't so. know what Civet Coffee is, you won't get it. Uh, folks, if you like our jokes and you want more of that or advice or help or just want to stalk us a little bit be sure to check us out anywhere that you are online you can go to twitter or facebook slash drunken ux we are also on instagram at slash drunken ux podcast otherwise let's okay let's get started i want to get into our our normal topic but i want to start first because i read there's uh, a piece over at new york times that was pretty neat uh what last week week before last one of their journalists put uh, a project together or was approached about a project that they said hey we want you to use this special version of Firefox, and we're going to track every, like, all of the stuff, all of the activity. Um, we're okay. going to see what, you know, the sites you go to, what uh, cookies are being put out, what people are identifying about you, and all of this. Was and the so, company Facebook? Uh, <laughs> well, the, the company was them, but Facebook okay. was involved whether they like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so... There, the, this article has been put together now. The project is is over, and they took the snapshot of everything that was going on. And the the title of the piece is "I visited forty seven sites, hundreds of trackers followed me." Mm-hmm. And it's it's all about this idea of like, what do you when you're just doing your day to day work? You know, you, it's easy to not pay attention to just how much is happening yeah. about you. The, I I will say that on the article, he does a really cool data viz. Thing where he's like showing the different trackers and it's like a series of bubbles that are all like connected as it goes throughout his day it's really and neat you the, as the bubbles progress you're going through his day to the sites that he visited mm-hmm. then each the the size is uh related to how many trackers and and snippets oh and that's what that meant. Him. okay and then there's a line that then hops bubble to bubble that hits on individual trackers that are sharing information about you like a facebook beacon right so Got it. even though you're visiting a site six hours later it, uh, completely unrelated you can see how the first site of the day that you visited mm-hmm. shared that data clear over so you know people there's uh, have you, you've heard this i'm sure someone's like i was just thinking something and facebook showed me an ad for it <laughs> and uh-huh. they think oh well Clearly, they're listening to my phone or doing whatever. No, you just are really bad at hiding what you're thinking about. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that they aren't listening if you have the app installed. They don't have to. That's yeah. That's oh, they don't the have thing. to certainly. <laughs> but there's there's been a lot of weird coincidences where like I remember one time I was talking with someone about like macaroni and cheese or something and then you know 20 minutes later they're looking at their phone and they're seeing ads for like Velveeta or something it was just really like really coincidental and and it may be and it may be that they forgot an hour earlier they were looking up 
a mac and cheese yeah, that's recipe. Possible. Like there's there are that's the thing is we like to think that there's all this nefarious stuff and and there is it's just not the nefarious stuff you think it is most of the time. Right. Well, I mean, they don't like even if even if they could, and I'm assuming they can track our like or listen into what we're talking about and use that to inform their ads. I don't think they have to because they can track it so well just through like your regular web browser. Right. So he goes into some of this where he talks about like the IDs, you know, mm-hmm. they they don't necessarily know who you are. Like your name is not right. necessarily a known quantity, but they can basically ID you when you hit that site, mm-hmm. assign you. And uh, the uh, metaphor he uses that I thought was both funny and terrifying is like a prisoner ID. <laughs> so this is this is who you are to the system. You are a number and you have no other personality or value besides this number. Imagine imagine if you got you know like you get those loyalty cards, you go to the supermarket, you right. get a little loyalty card with a barcode. So imagine you walk into a mall. Remember those things? Malls walk Vaguely. around in stores. Yeah. So it's let's say it's nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety five, and you go to a mall and it's hopping, lots of people there, lots of stores. Uh, and you walk in and they give you a card and then the card you use to get into any of the stores and you just like, they just boop it. Like they just scan the barcode. You walk into the store, they scan it. And then you just do, you look around, buy something, don't buy something, whatever. But the store now has a a track. uh, It has a record of you attending, visiting that store. They don't know your name. They don't know what you look like or anything else about you. All they know is that you visited like Gap, um, Sbarro's Pizza. And then, like, uh, Electronics Boutique, just for example. But the the comparison to that, right, is something like, uh, I, I don't know if you use it. I've got it installed because, of course, I get tracked. Um, like Honey? Have you used yeah, Honey? Yeah, I, I don't, but I know of it. Like these, these sort of online uh, versions of reward systems or loyalty systems. Yeah. That, yeah. you know, if you, to use your example, like whether it's a mall or the supermarkets or whatever, you get that special little card. That, mm-hmm. you know, imagine a, a system like that that just shared the same card everywhere. So you're basically you're they're able to spend their marketing budget on your discounts because it gives them information about your buying habits. Like it puts all of your purchases into one profile. And so that informs their marketing people. So that's that's the value add for them. The ironic part about that is we have one of those things, and every one of us has it in our wallet or our purse, is credit cards. And oh yeah, <laughs> it kind of astonishes me, actually, that companies, Visa, Discover, MasterCard, these folks, aren't leveraging the data they have more. How do we know they aren't? I mean, if, if they're hiding it that well, I, I feel like it's not effective. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, I just it just feels like there are a lot of opportunities out there yeah, that yeah. would play into that kind of, of uh integrated marketing. Hmm. At at any rate, between the IDs and then the other thing he talks about is fingerprinting. And fingerprinting is the one that actually gets I to me significantly more scary. Because fingerprinting is all about I don't know who you are. So I'm going to tell your browser to tell me as much information as it right. can, and I'm going to generate a a profile for you. So it's doing things like, what browser are you using? What, you know, what can, OS are you on? Yeah, what version of the CPU OS? What load? What yeah. 
what is your screen size? Screen size is actually an incredibly uh, mm -hmm. revealing piece of information because A, you're either running your screen maximized or you're one of those folks who puts things in windows. And if mm -hmm. you're windowed, you're not necessarily doing something real straightforward like expose or whatever where you just you know make it be a quarter of your screen. You're resizing it, whatever. So it's mm -hmm. some unique shape and size. Right. Right. And so when you start putting all of these little bits and pieces together, you know, individually, it's like, well, yeah, everybody's, you know, not everybody, but a ton of people are running Windows 10 with Chrome. Mm -hmm. But then you get the Chrome build number and the exact yeah. Windows 10 update that you've got and the, the screen size, the viewport size, all of that stuff gets to be, there was, there was something. It, it becomes countably finite. Like it becomes a very, like. It might be a hundred or even a couple thousand users with that exact fingerprint, but it's very much smaller than the millions of people that visit big sites. It's a DNA test, basically. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. When they when you sit down in court and they say, "Well, it's a, a billion to one odds that this is your DNA," they're not right. saying it's impossible that the test was wrong. They're just saying that the likelihood is so low right. that it's meaningless. I think it was Tor that did some research yes. on this. Yes, it was. Yeah, that yeah. that being able to reveal who you are even without tracking is actually right. very like you should maximize your screen and stuff if you're actually afraid of that because everybody you know the your you know two K four K whatever screen the viewport size on that is very set then so you're getting dumped into a very big bucket with all the other people who do things like right. that so there are those little tricks that you can do to get around it but that fingerprinting is where things start to get kind of spooky i i read a uh or listened to an audiobook about being both private and anonymous on the internet um and private meaning your traffic is secret and anonymous meaning your identity is secret so they're two different things and it's if you want to actually be truly invisible on the internet, it takes a lot of work. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. have to use like like the Tails OS, which like wipes its session after every time. You have to not use the same Wi-Fi access point more than once. You have to do all your transactions using uh, cryptocurrency that you've purchased with cash uh, from never the same place twice. But you have to be super super paranoid. Um, and like even with that, like it's still not a sure thing. Because of fingerprinting and things like this. Yeah, it's, uh, well, the, the comparison would be like that ad, you know, you, you go look up, um, I'm trying to think of a good example of something I was researching recently. So I'm a very stupid man, and I decided I wanted to buy an electric skateboard recently. <laughs> and so I was researching electric skateboards a ton to figure out which one is right for an idiot uh, that is my age. I think it's and, the one with wheels. That's <laughs> Uh, to start, um, but as a consequence, I started getting a lot of ads because mm. all these companies are doing remarketing. So when you go to Instagram, you're seeing ads for electric skateboards. When you go to Facebook, you're seeing ads. Mm -hmm. um, they don't have to know me personally who I am yeah. to do that. They just have to know my traffic patterns. And so that's sort of that difference between the the privacy and the anonymity piece like who right. i am is unimportant uh, they just care that i am somebody who is clearly visiting a lot of these sites and wants to buy a skateboard so ever, ever since i started working for the company that i work for now 
I get ads for every other meal kit preparation delivery service. Every other one. I get ads for all of them on Instagram, on Facebook, on uh, not Twitter, uh, but Plurk? Google ads. Yeah, ev- everywhere. That Speaking of Google, is funny because they have them uh, pointed out in the article and this was obvious once you stop and think about it, but it was funny to see it kind of in practice, which was that all of Google's bubbles are super small because Google isn't including anybody's tracking on their sites because they don't huh. have to. Now, they are in everybody's site. So you see all of these connecting dots between right. them. Uh, but on their individual properties, Google because Google doesn't have to advertise, right? You know, when you right. Google is the advertiser, so it's just an interesting uh, sort of uh, output of of that process to see that. In, you know, Google in is the one who knocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so check that out. It's over at New York Times. We'll have it linked in the show notes. It's a, it's a cool article. It gets you thinking a little bit about data privacy tracking. Uh, you know, think about this in terms of GDPR, in terms of oh gosh, uh, yeah. California uh, Privacy Act that's coming up. You know, these things that deal with how we restrict tracking and, and the tracking you may be employing on your own sites and maybe unintentionally, you know, re- linking people to other accounts and things like that. That's all something to think about. Um, Really quickly, I'm going to put this in the show notes. Um, There was an episode of Radio Lab that I listened to recently about the right to be forgotten, uh, which talks about GDPR and other things related to that. Oh, cool. Uh, it was really fascinating, and if this is a topic that interests you, I highly recommend listening to it. So that's all I'm going to say about it. I will, Check it out if you want. I will be on that list because I like Radiolab, <laughs> but I have not listened to that yet. So Yes, it was a good episode. Uh, so some of you have probably heard this new news, uh, and I know we everybody talks about WordPress a lot. We like talking about WordPress because it's an important piece of the puzzle in our careers and in our industry. <laughs> And so the the news that just came out, uh, by the time you're listening to this episode, it was about, I don't know, a week and a half, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Automatic bought Tumblr. Yeah, it's crazy. So I thought it would be... Wait, who did they... Who, didn't someone else buy Tumblr previously? Yeah, so Tumblr was owned by Verizon. That's right. Verizon got it... Uh, well... Verizon bought it for a huge chunk of change oath and automatic bought it for less yeah oath technically owned it oath is a subsidiary of verizon and verizon acquired all of that property along with things like Flickr uh when they purchased yahoo yahoo is the one who back in 2013 dropped uh, a 1.1 billion with a b dollars (laughs) to get it yeah, there a lot of money, a lot of big names, big players, and a, a lot of comparisons also to, you know, other other industries and and other products. Yeah, the thing, and let's let's start at the start with this because a lot of people I think maybe don't even understand how big Automatic is. I I have to say when we were doing our our pre show chat, um. I didn't realize how big Automatic was. <laughs> yeah. and like I've been following Automatic and WordPress for over a decade, but I was even surprised by this. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's a very quiet, and, and I'll explain how they managed this a little bit. But they were formed. Matt Mullenweg set up Automatic in two thousand and five. This was two years after WordPress officially launched. WordPress launched in oh three. We should clarify, like Matt Mullenweg was the original, like 
WordPress developer, right? Or yeah. on the original. Yeah. Yeah. He's the originator of the WordPress product, both open source and commercial. Right. And Matt, uh, he was in an interview recently, and the, the phrase he said about Automatic is, they are a subscription and upgrade company. That is the way Automatic makes money. Automatic is a for-profit company. What is upgrade company? So, like, if you look at, say, WordPress.com, mm-hmm. part of what they do is, A, they are both of those things, right? You can sign up for a subscription to it to get a pre, you know, get premium features and accounts. Okay. And if you look at things like Jetpack, Jetpack is owned by Automatic, and Jetpack is mm-hmm. all about some free stuff in it, but all mm-hmm. it's it's freemium, right? It's it's the way where you can use basic stuff easily, but then if you want to use a full blown Akismet or whatever, you're gonna upgrade okay. that and pay. You know, I think what Jetpack's. $39 or something for a personal account. So upgrade like upgrading your service tier, not upgrade like upgrading your version of WordPress. Upgrade features. Got it. Feature sets, yeah. Got it. They they okay. do know like autom- automatic is not a, what's a, the Drupal Acquia. Uh mm-hmm. they are they're not like an Acquia sort of organization. They don't provide support. They aren't okay. there to help you with your WordPress install, which is ironic, I think in in, in a way. <laughs> Uh, I mean, they kind of used to, sort of, like with through WordPress.org. Well, and WordPress.org, and so this is where let's so to, to talk about the size first. Yeah. In ten years between 2005 and 2015, uh, they had raised approximately 300 million dollars in venture capital. Holy shit! And that's at a valuation of over a billion dollars. Their valuation right now is roughly between one point two and one point six billion, depending on what you're wow. reading. Yeah, we're not talking chump change, and this isn't like the weird imaginary Tumblr one point one billion. This is revenue generating <laughs> company right. that has you know good value. They employ over nine hundred people now. I actually know a couple people that work there. Yeah, I think. If you're a web developer, you probably probably don't know it at this point. (laughs) I mean, that's and the funny part is like that's big. There's a a little widget on the automatic homepage that's kind of funny if you go look at it. And on the uh, on the panel, they've got a comparison to like the amount of traffic WordPress.com does, Mm -hmm. um, like their you know their monthly uniques and everything, and how many employees that they have to support Mm -hmm. all of that compared to other organizations and like <laughs> their actual company size uh, they do this roughly the same amount of monthly uniques as twitter holy shit really with a quarter of the staff twitter's got almost four thousand employees so uh, you know amazon and this and is still suck this is company-wide but amazon <laughs> is six hundred and forty-seven thousand. Uh, Facebook's thirty nine thousand. I'm just reading straight from their little widget here. Here, here's the one that'll that'll break you as a comparison. eBay, eBay serves yeah. 105 million uh, uniques a month. Their workforce is fourteen thousand. So fourteen times. That's only surprising because I had forgotten that eBay existed until you just mentioned it. <laughs> oh, they're still out there. They're still good for occasional <laughs> things. Uh, so. At any rate, they're they are not a. I mean, they're maybe tiny compared to others, but they mm-hmm. are not small by any stretch of the imagination. And 
I mean, there, there, if we're going to sit here and say a billion-dollar valuation is a small company, then I don't know what we're doing. Uh, right. Like, that's, that's big-time, big-league money. So yeah, this needs to not get confused, though. And this is where – this is part of where we wanted to kind of talk about this because automatic is not WordPress. Automatic right. is WordPress.com. Automatic is not WordPress.org. Uh, right. WordPress as a product, as an open source platform, is owned by the WordPress Foundation. The WordPress Foundation owns the brand. But this that, was like a this was like a pleasant schism that happened ten some years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it's been like this I mean way WordPress did technically come from automatic, kind of. Well, automatic but they didn't just, exist when WordPress was birthed. Right, but like the people that are in automatic, like Mullenweg and the rest of them, they created WordPress and then they intentionally split the two things. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. Okay. This isn't just some weird coincidence. <laughs> yeah. Matt is involved in all of these things, keep in mind. Right. Like he's got a very firm hand, shall we say, on the direction of these things. And the best I think comparison that I can give to this is thinking about something like uh Wikipedia. Now Right. Wi- yeah. Wikipedia is not for profit. They're a five oh one C three, but it is a similar relationship in that Wikipedia is built on a platform called MediaWiki. Right. And you can anyone can download it and install that and have a nearly identical experience to Wikipedia. Right. For their own wiki. Yes. Uh and so from there, the direction of MediaWiki and, and Wikipedia is kind of overseen by the Wikipedia Foundation. Right. So there's like this oversight model. You've got oversight, you've got a tool, you've got a website that relies on all of these things. They are interconnected in complex ways, but right. they are also each their own thing in their own way. And that's kind of the the main difference being, you know, Wikipedia's nonprofit, whereas Automatic is absolutely for profit. So you had asked in Slack if there was like a, a Ruby world comparison. Yeah. And I, I would say that uh, Rails, so Rails was built by DHH for Basecamp specifically, and then he released it into the wild as its own product. But he still has, like, he's still on the core team. He still has a very heavy hand in its development and its steering, even though other people do as well. And Basecamp, you know, is built, still runs on Rails, of course. Um, I mean, it's like, it's different because I don't know. It's slightly different, but it's the same kind of thing where like the person who is doing a for-profit instance of the product is also still involved in the open source direction and, and maintenance of it. Yeah. So there's one other piece of this puzzle to automatic and it's a company that a lot of folks have never heard of. And yeah. I hadn't heard of this. It's not a company. They are an angel investment firm called Audrey Capital. Mm-hmm. And Audrey Capital is an investment firm. It happens to be an investment firm founded by Matt Mullenweg. Huh. <laughs> and they were the principal investor in getting Automatic created. They, If you go look at uh, the website, it's audrey.co, they are, uh, their very first investment was Automatic. So okay. 
And Audrey, the one place some people might have heard of him is uh, we've, of course, talked about WP Tavern several times on the show. Uh, the uh, WP Tavern was bought several years ago, not by Automatic, but by Matt through Audrey. Okay. Looks like six six staff members total, looks like. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the site. Like, yeah, it's an investment yeah. firm, so, you know, it's a, an angel firm. They just divvy out money for the most part. Mm-hmm. But there's just this this thing where, yes, WordPress is it's is an open source platform. It does its own thing. Yes, Automatic is its own thing. But Matt is very much sitting atop the chain on all of these pieces, and we're going to talk about that yeah. a little bit later. But I wanted to give some of that background so folks kind of understood. Like, Automatic exists to make money, and not to put too fine a point on it, but Automatic exists to make Matt money. And I'm not saying that in with any negative connotation at all that's what companies do and that's what you want your company to do if you're running it so it would be it'd be no different than saying that like amazon exists to make jeff bezos money yeah right that's just the way it is he owns them and he wants to make money so yeah that is something to just keep in mind though as we talk about the future of wordpress Mm -hmm. so with that said getting into some of the history of automatic just in general Automatic started up as just this this uh, means to monetize WordPress, basically. And mm-hmm. their idea was, well, let's take the, the WordPress code base and deploy it on a site where anybody can just sign up and get an account, and that became mm-hmm. WordPress.com. Okay. I mean, outside of, like, say, LiveJournal, you know, like we're going back to 2005 at this point. Now, LiveJournal was out before that, or like old myspace think about old myspace and and <laughs> the blogging tools that they had don't laugh it's an important part of our history <laughs> no i'm laughing because i'm remembering that uh rupert murdoch paid a lot of money for myspace and it totally tanked right and so there are there are a lot of comparisons here when we start talking about these big companies buying up properties that they don't understand yeah and tumblr definitely falls into this so mm-hmm. automatic steps in and says, we're going to make a site. We're going to monetize WordPress. Um, I had a WordPress.com blog um, early on. I had a MySpace blog way, way early on. I think that was probably the first site that I wrote at, like, actively. Um, as things progressed, though, Automatic did what companies do, and they started looking for value ads. The, the first value ad that Automatic targeted was a site called Gravatar. Gra- Gravatar, if you have ever used WordPress, is the service that associates an avatar with your email address, and it will. F- and a lot of sites use it, not just WordPress. Yeah. So when you go to a news site or something and log into their comment system, and it already has your picture there, that's because yes. you've probably set up a Gravatar at some point, um, or through you know, did it and didn't even know you did it through WordPress, and. As a consequence, when you enter your email address to make that comment, they can look you up and say, oh, yeah, here's your picture. Boom. Um, and you don't even have to be using WordPress. There's a Ruby gem for Gravatars. Uh, I've used it on a couple sites. You can even just, like, hit the API directly. Um, yeah. It's it's really, like, it's very open-ended, which explains the next number that you're going to drop here. <laughs> <laughs> so, the yeah, and I had to 
double check this because this is the daily number. The daily number of avatars <laughs> that Gravatar serves up to websites daily is eight billion with a B. That's I, <laughs> I had to like look at that twice because I thought I was seeing double. Eight billion. Uh, yeah, eight million. Sure, eight hundred yeah. million. Yeah, okay, but eight billion. That's that's a lot of avatars that they are dishing out every day. This service, though, played into uh, Automatic really well because of the WordPress.com platform. It allowed them to help bind identities to uh, comments on user blogs. Right. So it made right. sense. It, it absolutely made sense. And it, I think it made the tool better. Uh, mm-hmm. It you know it put some resources behind that system. In fact, I was in just the other day updating my Gravatar and they've got like the history of all the past ones I've used over the years, which <laughs> cool. are just different iterations of me screaming into a camera lens. <laughs> I, I I mean I I love the service. I, like I said, I've used it with some Ruby apps and things. I just like that you can have an avatar that's instantly available that the user will recognize, and you don't have to do any of the file storage for it. Yeah, it's just right there. Um, two thousand eight, they got busy though. Two thousand eight mm-hmm. was their first big community acquisition where they. Uh, they and though the phrasing on this is is generally funny, they didn't so much buy Buddy Press as it was mm-hmm. they bought the developers of Buddy Press. <laughs> right. So Buddy Press is generally considered an automatic project, even right. though like if you go to BuddyPress.org, I don't think there's any automatic branding anywhere there uh, or anything like that. But Buddy Press is like the the social features. Yeah, turning turning WordPress into a social platform. Uh, okay. You know, or community like, site. For like forums or something, yeah. right? Well, okay. and that's kind of a separate deal that gets into BB Press and that, but also something right. that they have uh, sort of gotten their claws into. That was in March. By September, mm-hmm. they'd picked up Intense Debate. Intense Debate was a competitor to Discuss. Okay. The uh, you know third-party commenting system. Right. Uh, they both... But intense... Intense debate is the same kind of thing, like it's yeah, same basic kind of system comments. that okay. it, it's basically an embedded commenting system that they okay. they handle letting people log in and maintaining continuity. They've all got like built-in anti-spam things and, and stuff it. like that. Like if you've okay. ever used the built-in WordPress commenting system, it oh. it leaves a lot to be desired. Yes, like, yes, it does. Like a whole lot. So, yeah. and these tools generally have a lot of other features. Like they'll recommend other content, you know, in in the thread. They usually have some added features for things like embedding video or media or code or stuff like that. Um, I've used both. I use Discuss still, and I know there's there's some questions about tracking. To go back to the mm-hmm. start of the show. Um, you know, the way these commenting systems are used to track people between sites since they are being right. used at a lot of them. Um, then October of 08 came, and they also picked up Poll Daddy. What is that? I've not heard of that one uh, before. A social uh, survey, you know. Okay. Do you think I should buy a new hat, yes or no? Does this hat look good would... on me, yes or no? Do so you... it's like a plug-in for your WordPress it, blog? Well, yeah, and I don't know that, like, and these are things, one of the things that I'm going to mention is, like many places, Automatic has purchased a lot of technology that right. no longer exists. Okay. Um, okay. Or has been folded into the company in different ways. And 
I and I'm not gonna be able to tell you off the top of my head like all of these. And this list, like this, is not the complete list. Trust me. If you mm-hmm. you can go uh, go check out uh, what was it Crunchbase or whatever, um, and you can right. look at all the acquisitions that they've had. And so some of these obviously are a little fuzzy. And we're going back 11 years for Pole Daddy. By 2011, they had launched Jetpack. I have heard of that. Everybody's heard of Jetpack. Jetpack is there when you install WordPress, and Jetpack's ruffling a lot of feathers up to today, whether that's debates about the performance impacts on WordPress by enabling it, the way they're infiltrating things like the plugin repo and trying to you know, give themselves prime positioning, uh, something else we'll talk about. But Jetpack is, to go back to that quote that uh, I mentioned, Automatic is a subscription and upgrade company. Jetpack is part of the way Automatic makes money because all of Jetpack's premium features are right. subscription updated. So you pay that 39 bucks a year or whatever to get access to you know, install Vault Press or use uh, Kismet or all these things. So that's sort of that, that pipeline. And that was that first real big push outside of just WordPress.com. Jetpack right. was how do we monetize WordPress.org, and that's that was their approach. Jetpack's not a, it's it's a decent product. I I don't use it much, but it's something that yeah. would be worth maybe digging into all on its own. Mm-hmm. I think to go through the feature set and and the pros and cons with somebody. What I will say is I use it as little as humanly possible. Yeah, same. Uh, there's but I think as a developer you reach a point where you look at the things Jetpack does and you just don't need it to do those things. Right. I think that's sort of the real It crunch. It offers a lot of stuff that is geared towards people who don't want, who people who aren't developers. Exactly. But still need some of those power features. Right. So like, it's a good product. I've just not ever needed it myself. Everything is point and click with it, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, Things slow down from this point. There were there's there are a few acquisitions between then and now. Uh, they picked up a, a UK based uh, uh, firm, Code for the People. Hmm. Uh, that, what is that? They were a like a a premium UK support company. Like they they were a small company, and in fact, a lot of these. One of the things that's worth noting is like a lot of the companies that Automatic has picked up are all relatively young companies that weren't well known and so like this in this case code for the people they'd been around for about three years they dealt with support for like a lot of high-end companies using wordpress in Mm -hmm. the uk and so what automatic did was they came in they didn't so much they weren't like buying the company for the company they were buying the talent so that okay they basically you know when you if you go to wordpress.com and you're looking for like a layout for your site and you go into the theme repo You've got all those premium themes and everything. You've got to have people building those themes. And so my guess is that they got integrated into that ecosystem to help bolster all of those premium offerings that WordPress tries to upsell you on. Okay. So that was 2014. 2015 is the watershed moment. 2015 is the holy shit automatic is a player uh, time. Because 2015 is where the purchase of Woo themes comes into play. For the first time, like, we don't know necessarily, like, I, I can't tell you how much Automatic spent to get intense debate. My guess, not okay. very much. <laughs> Woo themes, they dumped $30 million on. That got them Woo themes, that got them WooCommerce, 
that got him a whole ecosystem of users that are paying recurring revenue for extensions and plugins and all of the stuff in between. So this was the big, like, sort of, uh, you know, wow moment for Automatic. When they plunked down that $30 million to pick up the, the Woo franchise, that was like, you know, everything up to this point had been like all these little players, you know, little things, bringing yeah. in some talent, bringing in, you know, these little bits of, and pieces. But they were always small, and it was always quiet and not particularly, you know, uh, earth-shattering. This was mm. earth-shattering for him. This was the big deal. Um, and it was when people kind of stepped up and took notice, I guess, that you know Automatic is interested in being a bigger player in the WordPress space beyond just you know being satisfied with what they can do through WordPress.com. Well, WooCommerce was huge. I mean, that's like, I mean, that can generate revenue directly for how it's being used and everything. And also it was, if anyone wanted to run any kind of shop or commerce solutions on WordPress, that was what they had to use. Yeah, there were, you know, there have been others that have come and gone, but they really sort of cornered the market in terms of packaging everything together, making it all work nicely, giving you, you know, basic functionality for free, but again, with that idea of upselling to the nicer, higher-end stuff, something that WordPress.com was already well-versed in. And with the Woo Themes component... You got access to this whole library of uh, of fantastic design themes, powerful themes that were ready to go out of the gates with integration into WooCommerce. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. that was huge. I mean, it, I would almost argue that even in 2015, 30 million probably was almost a steal. Yeah. I'd be curious how much revenue that generates for them now. Uh, why don't you shoot them an email and ask them, <laughs> and <laughs> and let's see what answer comes back. <laughs> hey, well, I'm interviewing you for my school newspaper. <laughs> so between then and now, things kind of went quiet again, largely because if, if mm. I was to speculate, there's been a lot of work behind the scenes, particularly on integrating the Wu franchise into the business. That's a big acquisition, right. a lot of big business, a lot of people, a lot of uh, resources and property. So it's reasonable that they probably were focusing a lot of their effort there. This year, they've gotten incredibly busy again, though. In May, they announced that they were picking up Pros Press, which uh, is a mm -hmm. subscription model uh, service designed to um, you know, take payments and things on a recurring basis. You know, thinking ahead towards things like premium content, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, this was something, this came up even early on with Gutenberg. And there were some comments that had been made about content models and access. And stuff was alluded to then. And, and this, of course, was uh, a few months after that, that it kind of felt like the stuff people were reading into late in 2018 about what they thought Gutenberg might empower, seeing this pickup of Prose Press kind of confirmed some of those suspicions. We haven't seen anything with that yet, but at least from a, you know, the bellwether tends to point to that. Uh, this month, or I shouldn't say this month because it's not this month anymore, uh, in August, there were two relatively big acquisitions. And I say that right. one of them was the Zero BS CRM. 
Zero BS is a, a customer relations package that you could plug in that uh, was generally small. Like, I, I don't think a lot of people knew what Zero BS was. I've never used them, so I can't speak personally to uh, their their feature pack or anything, but they were generally well-regarded from a service standpoint that even though they were small, they were doing a lot of things right if you needed a system to manage, you know, leads and inbound tracking and things like that and right. clients and, and these things. So Automatic fairly quietly, uh, quite frankly, picked up uh, the CRM. They're saying that it will probably be rebranded as something like Jetpack CRM, which makes sense. And <laughs> I think implies exactly what they're kind of going after with Jetpack. And I also see it as something that you're very likely going to see direct integration into WooCommerce with. Uh, so now talking about that would, e that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would make a ton of sense because what are they doing? They're solidifying this whole corner of the e-com world as far as uh, WordPress goes. And they're, you know, think about, uh, are you familiar with like uh, uh, Zoho? Zoho? Zoho or, you know, Zoho is kind of like a small sales force. Okay, vaguely. So, like, they offer CRM functionality, bulk mailing, invoicing, uh, project management, uh, accounting, all of these things, you know? A lot of stuff like Salesforce does. Because what, ideally, these subscription-based SaaS models go for is they want to sell you a suite of tools. Mm -hmm. And... That's what I am smelling all over this is Automatic wants to get you into Jetpack and get you into a suite of tools. If you're a small business, you get your your annual subscription to Jetpack and you've got WooCommerce with premium themes. You get uh, Zero BS CRM. You get subscription payments. You get all of these features and they get you right. bound into their ecosystem. Right. I may be right. wrong on that, but I don't think I am. <laughs> that seems like a, a direction they could be going in. Like, it would make sense if they went in that direction. It's certainly, you know, there's value, to say the least. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm I'm curious to see, like, how all that kind of packages together. And we'll talk a little bit more about e-com here in a few minutes. But the big one, yeah. the one that, like, literally like, lit up TechCrunch and, and CNET and all of the big blogs was the announcement that Automatic bought Tumblr. That's crazy. It's kind of wild to think about, you know? And to you made that comment earlier about News Corp buying MySpace. And there was this trend there for a while of, like, these, you know, the, the big money-making purchases of some of these older social platforms by companies that just don't get the technology and... Everybody right. balked at a lot of this stuff early on, you know. Like you think about what what was it, uh, three hundred million that they saw, that uh, News Corp bought for uh, bought MySpace for something like that. It was a it was a it was a lot of money, but uh, News Corp lost money on the. Oh, deal. I remember that. totally, yeah. Because I mean, Justin Timberlake isn't didn't he end up buying it uh, for? I mean, nothing basically. The thing about Tumblr. Is so Yahoo was the one who came in. They Tumblr launched in 07. Yahoo came in four years later and said, 
let us give you $1.1 billion for it. <laughs> and I don't know about you, <laughs> but I'm not turning that money down. That, that's that's uh, that's not uh, Minecraft money. <laughs> right. Yeah, for real. Uh, so that is Yahoo buys some. it. Yahoo says we're going to integrate it. Yahoo has no clue what to do with it. Yahoo, uh, by 2011, Yahoo itself was kind of, it had no identity, right? Like, they just, they didn't know what they wanted to be. And this was part of this time when they were picking up all of these properties. Flickr was one uh, that Yahoo picked up. And everybody watched, and I'm a Flickr Pro user. I love Flickr. I've loved Flickr since I signed up for it. I still love Flickr. Um, and there were a couple moments where a lot of us kind of were watching the trends, and it's like they, it was clear that they had no idea what they were going to do with the service. And they didn't know how to monetize it, they didn't know how to grow it, and they didn't know how to serve the community. If I recall, didn't, after the Yahoo acquisition, didn't Tumblr become, like, they restricted content you could post or something? I remember there being a, a lot of... Uh, complaining about that that all happened fairly recently like what was in in just the last year yeah they changed they restricted adult content on the platform which was a big deal because there is a lot of adult content there and adult content makes money whether people like it or not you know there's a reason why smut sells Uh, people people pay and there's uh matt did an interview where he was talking about that actually and it's it's a really interesting topic to dig into, not so much from the the content management standpoint or the the speech restriction standpoint. A lot of the rationale behind that has to do with getting your application listed in app stores. Right. If if you can get adult content through your app, Google and Apple are very disinclined to list your app in their app store. And so right. keeping Tumblr available there, that was partly viewed as one of the reasons why that restriction came into place. And, and there's some huh. questions now, because he's already been asked, you know, well, are you going to restore, you know, our ability to do some of that? I heard the answer was a no. It's <laughs> Well, it's not so much no as it was just it's complicated because there are there are consequences from that, and, and losing your listing in the App Store has has fallout, and it, and it has to it's something that has to be considered when you look at that and i don't blame them and i'm sure you know wordpress has the same problems and there are arguments about well why does reddit and twitter get away with it and nobody knows the answer you know google and apple don't have to tell you they don't have to explain themselves but they know it's a risk so it's something that's that's going on there i like Flickr though as as a comparison for this because what ended up happening verizon bought yahoo as a result, acquired all their properties. Verizon didn't buy Flickr. Verizon didn't buy Tumblr. They bought Yahoo. And so they took all of this stuff that they didn't know what to do with it, and they put it under the Oath banner. They set up this little subsidiary that was responsible for overseeing all this stuff. But it was just another case of they bought a company that didn't care anymore and got a lot of property that they didn't care about as a consequence and a group in charge of it that consequentially had no stake in any of it. So okay. It was it was bad for everything as far as I'm concerned and and I think most folks would agree with that that 
you know, all of these properties really suffered as a consequence. Uh, mm-hmm. So Smug Mug comes into the picture for Flickr, and Smug Mug starts talking with Oath, and, and they say, you know what, we have been in this game as uh, as long as anybody. We've been there as long as Flickr. We see the value in the tool, and we care about pictures. And so we would like to take Flickr off your hands. You don't want it. You don't know what to do with it. Let us have it cheap, and we'll, we will take care of it. And boom, done. Deal is over. Uh, Smugma gets it, and it was almost immediately viewed as a positive that now Flickr is being stewarded by somebody. So when Yahoo bought Flickr, they paid like 35 to $40 million for it somewhere in there. Um, Smug Mug comes sure. in and buys it for, you know, pennies on the dollar by comparison. And right. as a consequence, Flickr has a model. It's being stewarded by people who care about imagery and care about the community, and they get it. And I don't mm-hmm. – I think you would be hard-pressed to find anybody that feels bad about that move. The move of Word pre- or a Tumblr to WordPress feels incredibly similar to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, WordPress definitely understands that kind of content, like self-content publishing model. Right. Self-publishing content model. WordPress was always about blogging when it started. It was always about creating content and sharing content. And so now WordPress comes in, buys it for pennies. I I say say Flickr got bought for pennies on the dollar. I mean... Three billion out of... Well, it takes, uh, what, a thousand million to make a billion. And they're paying three million... For something that was like 1.1 billion originally, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Like how, man, I don't want to say undervalued. It's it's weird. It's almost like a bizarre price. And I I think the one of the comments Matt had made was that Verizon looked to Automatic as like the right place for it, and right that one of the things automatic is doing is they aren't changing anything from a business standpoint. Like they are buying Tumblr and keeping all of the workforce in place. Whereas, you know, it's interesting that like blogging used to be a huge part of the internet in general. And it seems like it's kind of fallen out of favor, like with the rise of social media and everything. So it's kind of neat to see, well, neat or maybe weird. To see like this consolidation of blogging platforms that's kind of happening here. And I wonder like if there will like I don't know if LiveJournal is still around, but it would be interesting if WordPress acquired that one also. They are and they're owned by Russians. Oh yeah. Fun fact. <laughs> For now. <laughs> the the thing about uh with with automatic taking over Tumblr too, because Tumblr, I mean, yeah, it's it is a it's a blog, sort of, but it is also mm-hmm. more than that. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a media sharing platform yeah and yeah. And I think Matt has ideas for it. I think he's got some goals from a social media standpoint, from a content creation standpoint, from a monetization standpoint. Um, and I think all of those are, are relatively good things. Uh, He, one thing that Matt said, he was on an episode of Verge cast recently, and we'll have that linked in the show notes. It's absolutely worth listening to. And, and it really, if you have any trepidation about automatic buying Tumblr, it'll actually, I think it'll make you feel very good about the deal. Um, hmm. He pointed out, he, okay. he said that 
they, Tumblr, have more daily active users than WordPress.com has. Uh, like, that's incredible. Wait, 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 wait. Not, not just more daily active users, but more daily active users than WordPress.com has monthly active users. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like it's, wow. it's a huge gap in terms of the monthly uniques to, compared to daily uniques. So that's wild. That's yeah. It, it just goes to show. And when I said, uh, when I said that I think Tumblr was being undervalued, like at $3 million yeah. for those kind of, of numbers, that's incredible. Uh, you know, you're tapping into a very engaged market. You know, they don't want to necessarily be sold to, but I think again, that there's some, uh, there's some options there. It could just be passive income for automatic now. Like, I mean, Tumblr generates revenue, whether it's enough for a big company like Verizon remains to be seen, but for automatic, they didn't have it before. It's not enough for Tumblr right now. The The thing about Tumblr yeah. is it's big. It's very busy, but they aren't a moneymaker. They, they are, right. they just, they're one of those companies that burns money basically. Uh, okay. You know, they've relied on VC. They've relied on the fact that they got bought by a big company to write the checks. And I think that's another reason mm -hmm. why Verizon was willing to dump it, because when you figure what the bottom line on that is, they can look at that as a huge loss on their write-offs. Sure. So it, it makes some sense. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah, it makes <laughs> some, some sense there. I think what we're going to see, yeah. and this is – you can write this down as a prediction. I think what's going to happen is – some form of subscription model is going to come to Tumblr. And huh. I that may include something like premium content. I think it might actually be more. Do you remember uh, there's a, a tool, and I think it, it may still be around, but I don't think it works the same now. Readability. Do you remember Readability? I don't. No, I don't remember that one. Um, you know Instapaper, though. Vaguely, yeah. Instapaper, Pocket, Evernote. Uh, the, yes. these tools that would Never let you save articles to read later. Okay, sure. Readability had this model where you could, the tool was free, but you could pay. And you could pay, say, $5 a month. And what they would mm -hmm. do is, if as you read articles, if you were paying money, they would distribute the money that you were paying to the websites that you read. Oh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so there was sort of this crowdsourced payment method that was available. And if and I, I may get the details on this wrong because it's been a long time, but it's like if you paid five bucks and you visited five hundred sites, then each of them would get a pin. Yeah. If you read right. two articles that month, then they would each get two and a half dollars. That's simplified, but that was the model they were going for. It was not very successful, was not widely used. But it's a neat, neat idea, though. I, I like the idea. And that idea has taken hold elsewhere with success. If you watch a lot of yeah. YouTube streamers that take donations now, um, Twitch and their bit system, being able to go in and, and tip you know somebody who's playing a video game that you're watching or whatever, you, know, you can donate to them, and so you're helping pay for their right. content creation and their time. I think that model has a lot of merit. And um, even like thinking about uh, what is it, Brave, right? Is the browser uh, that yes. they were going into like the cryptocurrency sort of model of, of figuring out a way to block ads but still make sure websites could get revenue? Same kind of thing. And I, I think something like that is right. 
possible and would actually do really well on a Tumblr-style platform where you've got people creating lots of very simple, cheap content. Fund your account with a dollar and make it be like the first hundred things I look at get a penny. Yeah. And go that route. Uh, it may also be something where they decide now that they've got uh, pros press involved, maybe they want to take on Patreon as a way of using Tumblr to create, <laughs> you know, crowdsourced gated content. I think I think it, I could see that too. I think any of that, you know, the sky's the limit, and it still maintains that standard freemium model that Tumblr is known for. That you want to get in, you want to use the system, and feel like you've got access to it. You can do that without spending money, right? It also relieves that burden I, we said earlier about how Automatic views itself as a subscription and upgrade company, not as an advertiser. They Advertising right. is not where their strength is. So this idea that they're going to milk Tumblr for advertising revenue probably isn't true because it's not what they're right. good at. They'll offer like a freemium service or something. Right. So yeah. I'll be interested to see what what it all means. I think it's going to take a long time. You know, these deals take time to actually close out. They take time to integrate. Um, you know, things have been thrown around like it will, you know, maybe they'll open source the Tumblr platform in general. We, we don't know. Uh, we know they're keeping the, the team intact. We know they want to keep it, you mm -hmm. know, what it is kind of like what smug mug has done with Flickr. Smug mug is not trying to make Flickr a pipeline for smug mug. And right. I think it would be a, mis a different service. I think it would be a mistake for automatic to try to turn Tumblr into like a pipeline for Jetpack, for instance. I don't Right. I, I don't think that's yeah, what I would agree with that. The audience, you know, isn't right for that. But I think they know right. that. But it all sets up a very interesting picture, right? You've got automatic, which uh, historically was snatching up little tiny young companies that weren't doing much to here in the last few years, dropping I would say a lot of money, but between Woo and Tumblr, they've actually got a huge amount of revenue potential for nothing. Man, if I thought I could have bought Tumblr for $3 million, I might have been out on the pavement <laughs> trying to... I, I've got some contacts. I know some people <laughs> with some money. We could have maybe made that happen. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, the there's a lot in store, and I think this paints a very weird picture for the future of wordpress and it's yeah it's where i think if you're in this field and if you do site development if you work with clients if you do wordpress development of any kind i think this is an important thing to watch because well yeah it's it's weird because it's they're they're going down the path that many other companies have gone with acquisition of property like various ips and things like google has been doing that for ages you know, they acquired YouTube that way. Yep. YouTube is hugely popular and revenue generating. So like WordPress appears to be doing that now too. And I, I, I think it will be interesting to see what direction they take this. You know, are they going to be ultimately corrupted by their greed of acquiring everyone ever? Or will they do like smug bug and like just acquire things, but ultimately let them be themselves still? Like what's what's their what's their end game? I guess is the question. Is it avarice or is it like stewardship? Yeah, and it's it's weird, right? Because I've kind of always looked at Automatic as a company that has a lot of identity problems. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and you know, they're I think they're trying to unify some of that under the Jetpack flag. 
But at the same yeah. time, like if you go look at a lot of the products, like you, you look at a Kismet, if you look at Vault Press, if you, if you look at Long Reads and, and some of these other resources that they own and, and put out there, um, even Buddy Press and those, even though they're not strictly speaking automatic properties, um, mm-hmm. there's the the individual products are still marketed, branded, and presented very much as individual things. And right. that feels very strange and i wonder like i i <laughs> i think what's gonna be worth watching is what happens in the next few acquisitions like so we have vault press right uh, if, yeah. if you're a jetpack user you may be familiar with vault press if you used it for backups and things um and it also has some security features but i wouldn't necessarily call vault press the end-all be-all of security in fact i would say security is one of the big blind spots in wordpress there are good tools, <laughs> though. You know, you think of, you look at like iTheme security, and specifically, I would look at a company like Defiant. If you're not mm-hmm. familiar with Defiant, Defiant is the company that makes WordFence. Okay. And if you told me that in three months, Automatic announces that they have bought Defiant to bring WordFence and make it Jetpack security. I would not <laughs> blink an eye at that announcement because yeah, I, that wouldn't be surprising. It feels very in tune with kind of what's happening in this idea that, like you say, exactly they're they're kind of bringing in ground and creating a kingdom. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they should. I think that's you know, I think that's where their strength would lie in that case. But how they start labeling all this and branding it and. Other companies do this, right? Like WP Engine bought Flywheel, and one of the first things they said is, "What well, we're not changing Flywheel. Flywheel is still Flywheel. And right. that's confusing, and... Uh, I, it's Well, it's confusing to not have the branding be consolidated, but also, like, think of how... I mean, just thinking about this, uh, this broadcast itself... There's a lot of things about Automatic that I didn't know. Like I didn't know how big or how much they owned or like all the things they had acquired because they don't put their branding on those things. Yeah. So like directly. And so maybe it's just that they're trying to maintain this kind of uh, veneer of being like, oh, good old Automatic, you know, the small company kind of thing rather than like, uh, you know, Google, but for blogging. <laughs> Or Microsoft, but for blogging. <laughs> Think about any time that you you know sit down and, and you find out some company is doing something heinous that you don't want to have any part in, and you're like, I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. I, I'm not gonna shop there anymore. I'm not gonna support them. And then right. you find out that they literally own twenty other completely different products that you use and yeah. cut out of your life at this point. Like it's like uh, like Via- Viacom's holdings. Like when you look at all the holdings of Viacom or Time Warner, or Disney. Any of look companies. at look at everything Disney owns. Yeah. Now. Oh my gosh. And what like if you said yeah. I I don't support Disney. I hate the way they treat their uh, employees at mm-hmm. uh, at their super fun lands and all this stuff. So I'm just not going to consume Disney properties. Seriously, yeah. sit down and look at what that means because <laughs> there there's a lot of stuff that does not get the Disney stamp put on it that they own, uh, mm-hmm. and. I sometimes I feel like that just happens because it's hard uh, as much as anything yeah. like figuring out how to consolidate that stuff is difficult when brands like you look at something like WooCommerce WooCommerce uh has uh, availed itself of that branding for years now and 
that's not the right word, availed. Uh, (laughs) That's how they're known. That's that's where all of their investment is and all their time is in. So changing that. I I didn't know that Automatic owned WooCommerce till tonight. I I didn't know there were separate. Yeah. Or I didn't know they were the same entity. Four years ago. So, and, and I don't think that that's like because automatic is trying to be covert or trick people into it. Cause I, I don't mm-hmm. think there's any need to do that. Quite frankly. Um, I think it's just because, well, people know WooCommerce, but uh, it does make this whole ecosystem kind of weird. Yeah. As a consequence, how they decide to consolidate, I think we'll say a lot about what automatic views itself as in the future. Sure. I also wonder about other completely different spheres. Like one thing they haven't gone into is the uh, the managed hosting environment. You know, we're looking at places like WP Engine, Pantheon, uh, Pagely, Northstack, and, and those folks. And uh, of course, you can get your WordPress.com subscription, but Automatic has stayed very hands off and out of the realm of hosting for WordPress, which is interesting. Right. And I don't know that they want to, but then you look at somebody like Ghost CMS, and Ghost CMS has kind of gone into that where they've got an open source product, and you're welcome to download and use it, but they also encourage you to buy your hosting from them. I don't, I don't think WordPress would go the hosting route because they have WordPress.com, and it seems like they want to keep everything under that umbrella if you want to use their, like... Yes, yeah. it it certainly feels like it would confuse the waters quite a bit. Um, I yeah. also yeah. don't necessarily think I see their strength there, uh, since mm-hmm. one thing that is not in their portfolio is hosting. Quite frankly, uh, you know, I don't I don't right. view WordPress dot com as a hosting tool. It's I just view it as a service. So, like, yeah. it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, except from the money standpoint. Like, you pull in somebody. Sure. Like, I don't know that you could. They could buy WP Engine, but, you know, the recurring revenue that they generate by itself could, you know, sometimes make sense. But what that does is uh, sort of get into that same problem of of Yahoo buying Tumblr. Yeah, Yahoo and Tumblr are both Mm -hmm. in the Internet business, but Yahoo didn't understand Tumblr's business. And I think this is sort of just because these companies may do managed WordPress hosting, they doesn't mean automatic is good at that because WordPress is in the name. Yeah. Uh, the e-com stack is where I think the difference maker is going to be, right? We said this already. WooCommerce, ProsPress, CRMs, they are looking at Shopify. They are looking at Magneto. Uh, that, <laughs> you mean Magento? No, Magneto, because he pulls the cart along. The cart's made of metal. He <laughs> he makes sure that he... Is that, that's not right? Is that... That incorrect. <laughs> That's actually I know I I like your explanation better. <laughs> um, I'm I'm pretty sure it's Magento though, but I I definitely read it the first time as Magneto it's as well. Magneto in my heart. <laughs> yeah, but for real. They are, I I think now with with this sort of again the suite they're building this suite of ecom platforms, and I think they are looking at Shopify and these folks and saying, you know what, we can steal that market. We can give people an end-to-end service that gives them all of these features, does it easier, and maybe cheaper. And I saw the reason I believe that that is what's going to happen is because I see that exactly in the descriptions of Gutenberg. Oh, yeah, with Medium. Yeah. 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 When when they came out and, and said that, you know, they need a new authoring experience and 
places like Medium were throwing around, and you look at Gutenberg, and you look at places using block editors, they were absolutely taking a bullseye and putting it on Medium and saying, you know what, you're not going to steal our WordPress.com users. Yeah. They they don't have to aim high. Medium has gotten really annoying with all the subscription articles and everything because you, you get a link to one, and it doesn't even say that it's like a premium article until you try to go to read it. Yeah, Medium and, has lost itself. Yeah, I I used to really use it a lot, and I I don't use it nearly as much anymore, if at all. And that's another one that like I don't I I definitely don't think it would happen, at least not now. But if Automatic mm-hmm. announced that they've entered into a deal to acquire Medium, oh my god! <laughs> I mean, again, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, you know, there's a certain amount of sense there. And when you start talking about these user bases and distributed offering yeah. and stuff like, man, kind of could see why that would make sense. Um, oh, I, I could absolutely see medium being snatched up and then replaced with like a, uh, I don't know, like an extension of WordPress or something. Yeah. And now that's the thing. Like yeah. I, I think the outcome of that would be very different from the outcome of buying Tumblr. Tumblr, I don't think you're going to see yeah. change, not in any meaningful ways. Medium, I would could 100% see sure. basically becoming a like a neutral Gutenberg front end cuz that's one thing about Medium, right? Is that it's always been about just plain bland content without a bunch of design in the way. I mean, it wouldn't be that it wouldn't be that challenging technically to have tumblr or medium uh become like front ends that just communicate with a wordpress api and so all the all the content is ultimately stored in like wordpress services or wordpress databases but it's displayed with a interface that's familiar to the users who have used it already yeah i i could see that happening and that would like that would streamline their backend costs so because tumblr is all block based too is it? It's it has literally been so long since I've used it. I don't remember what the editor looks like. <laughs> they they um I mean it's not block based like how Medium is, but like each post is basically one block type. Yeah. That's so right. like you make you make a post and it's just one block. So it would be like, you know, sending a, a post to the WordPress thing is just a single block type for that and like kind of like an aside or something. Yeah. Whereas Medium would have a more traditional um, interface, but yeah, I could see that just being like, um, as far as the back, as far as the front end is concerned, it's indifferent, completely the same. But on the back end, all the data is like marshaled by WordPress. I could see yeah. that. Every few years, people throw around the idea like, is Automatic Prime for an IPO? Mm-hmm. Thus far, I, I don't think that's true. I don't think it's going to happen. There, no way. No way. I, that that would involve Matt would have to turn over so much control for that, and he doesn't seem like the type of person who would want to do that. That is, I like, I, I think nail on the head. Uh. <laughs> no, no disrespect to Matt at all, but like his actions so far have seemed to imply that he very much likes being able to steer the WordPress ship as much as possible. It's, it's yeah, it, it's so. this weird balance between, you know a respect for understanding the community at large and the, the value of things like mm-hmm. open source and those phrases. But at the same time, he still very much wants his vision to be reflected in WordPress. And that's a tough thing to let yeah. go of. I think as a, 
founder and creator. Um, I'll throw a Wall Street Journal article in that covers this. It's old. It's from five years ago. Um, but mm-hmm. I think it still hits the the high points of why you're not going to see it go public. Yeah. I think it'd be a disservice to WordPress as well, too, if they because you have all kinds of different concerns, uh, financial and fiduciary and everything um, that would uh, that would come up if that happened that don't have right now. Well, and I think automatic has to go back to what I was I said a few minutes ago about them lacking a certain amount of identity, like Mm -hmm. to to have a public offering. I feel like automatic needs to understand itself better like when you look at salesforce let's say Mm -hmm. and the myriad of of features and tools and platforms salesforce has everything in that ecosystem is salesforce branded and that's just not the case here is heroku salesforce branded heroku is owned by salesforce but i don't see the salesforce signage on the heroku site heroku might still qualify like as a subsidiary type Okay. Thing. I don't. I don't know okay. on that, but um, but certainly, like with all of these tools and stuff, like when I say you know this idea of changing zero BS CRM to Jetpack CRM, mm-hmm. that is the sort yeah. of thing like you know make you know make Vault, Vault. Why is Vault Press not being called Jetpack Security or Jetpack Backup or right. something like? There's this opportunity to start a a, a holism it, approach. It could. It could be an image thing. I mean, maybe he, maybe they don't want to be seen as like this hungry monster that's eating up all these services. And things. I don't know. I that's something I yeah. don't have insight into. I'd love to ask Matt that question. So Matt, if you're listening, uh, feel free to come on and chat with me sometime. <laughs> uh, this all comes down to though to one like this is this is sort of the the tent stake for this conversation because all of this yeah comes down to one thing. And it's the importance mm-hmm. of governance in not just the WordPress community, but in open source in general. Right. A lot of open source projects, you know, and even let's let's take your stuff, uh, Aaron, like DiaperBase. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. DiaperBase is a large tool for its niche. It's not mm-hmm. by any means what you would call probably a huge platform at all or anything like that. And it's no, it's basically ran by a couple of you, right? Like. Yeah, there's yeah. Our, our core team is probably like maybe about a half dozen people. You guys make the calls and decisions. You're not answering, you know, to enough people to feel like there's probably a lot of pressure. I'm guessing. All of the people that that make requests of us are the use like the people who use the product. So yeah. But when you look at a product like WordPress that's ran on what 32.7 <laughs> of websites. Right. the tens of millions of people that rely on it it's not always right for that strategy to not be understood by the group at large you know by the community yeah. at large right and you know wordpress the the way i wrote it in, in my notes wordpress has to build what's right for the internet not what's right for automatic and right up until now that's really how it's been yeah so this this would be kind of like steering the or maybe getting like a a first mate for automatic to like sort of have have a little bit more say in the steering of the ship, so to speak. To go back to the analogy from earlier, when you look at something like Gutenberg, right? One of the biggest complaints mm-hmm. about Gutenberg that you heard from the community, especially leading up to its release at the end of last year, was that it was coming. You know, come hell or high water. 
And it was yeah. happening because Matt was willing it to be so. That, you know, because right. of the strength of his voice on in automatic in wordpress.org with the WordPress Foundation, uh, you know, through Audrey Capital and the purse strings, like he gets to decide. And there was a lot of the community that felt like that was not the right course. Yeah. And that's the thing that sort of needs to be answered, right? Because, and think back before Gutenberg, this isn't the first time this has come up because Automatic has WordPress.com. WordPress.com is the WordPress code base heavily modified specifically for their needs. And as a result, that's where you got a lot of like, remember WordPress MU? Yes. That's, that's where all this WordPress MU stuff came from. And, and, the the WordPress oh. network code and all of this that came into play. And the, it ended up in there not so much because the community needed multi-user WordPress hosting, but because WordPress.com needed it. And so they just included it in the .org code base. Um, okay. That, huh. you know, at the time, I, you know, I don't think people cared as much because, again, it's something like if you weren't doing that, then you just didn't care. But... <laughs> it still was a feature that was built because of automatic, not because of the community. Right. So I want to take a second to tip my hat over to our friend, Rachel Cherry. Um, and if you're familiar with Morton Rand Hendrickson, uh, who w- has been involved with wordpress.org forever um, and has done a lot of accessibility work and, and stuff there, they have a project going on right now Um at wpgovernance.com. And so this kicked off at the start of this year, and what they're doing is they are working as just community members to put together the collateral and the planning and the documentation to take to the WordPress Foundation and say, here's our proposal for putting in a governance scheme so that we actually have something to point to and say when the important decisions Mm -hmm. get made, here's who's responsible for that why and how the decision gets made so if something and this and this could maybe like decouple the development of wordpress.com from wordpress open source yeah absolutely to, to a degree yeah oh by the way if you recognize the name rachel cherry she was on build process number four and episode 37 where we talked about the gutenberg accessibility audit. yeah yeah she she's the person behind she was that. behind that too rachel's been in a strong mm-hmm. force in in encouraging wordpress to be better basically and <laughs> yes. the you know this is one of those things so the complaint about gutenberg one of the big deals was well it's got all these accessibility problems are we going to wait to release it in our documentation wordpress says you know every we we release code that's double a compliant and gutenberg's not and they released anyway and because there was no consequence right there was nothing that actually held any of that in check there was nothing that enforced that standard and so yeah i think as automatic grows and the more you see these kind of acquisitions and the more money you see them pushing Mm -hmm. towards making money in the ecosystem i think that's great i think it's fantastic for matt i wish him the best of luck and and a full wallet and you know a sponsorship deal for us if he feels so inclined (laughs) but it does raise the importance that you know wordpress.org is still an open source project that is 
out there to benefit the community now. I, I there's there is a responsibility that automatic has towards remembering that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I and I I have no I have zero problem with automatic and wordpress.com and all of their respective parts existing, but like they need to be mindful of all of the instances of that software that are are not on wordpress.com. Yeah. And why? Because the bottom line is like it or not, WordPress runs a third of the internet, which is an incredible thing to yeah, say. And I mean, exactly. I I have a lot of respect for Matt's ability to say that, and I think understand what it means. Because if you really try to yeah. spend some time and think about what that number means, a third of websites run WordPress. Like that responsibility can't possibly be an easy one to shepherd, um, and. The mm. fact that he hasn't used that to actually make more money, I think, says a lot, quite frankly. Because uh, he could have sold right. all of this off long before you know we got to this point. Um, and they chose not to do that. They chose to make the WordPress Foundation. They chose to give the trademark and branding and everything to to that organization to keep it, you know, shepherded properly. Um, and so, I wonder, I wonder if they regret that now. Oh no, I I doubt <laughs> that they do at all. <laughs> because I think in the end, that's no. I, I I'm I'm glad that they did that. Yeah, I I think in I, the I end, Matt has a... a sight set on automatic, and he understands the importance of of you know keeping the left hand unaware of the right hand a little bit. Mm-hmm. So good on them. Sure. Uh, that's all I have to say on that. I'd love to know what you think uh, and and what you know opinions and predictions you have. What thoughts you've got on the Tumblr acquisition and where you think Automatic will go and what it will mean for the development of WordPress in the coming years. Because, you know, here we are, yeah. 16 years of WordPress. Um, that's, a, that's a lot of years Holy for crap. a software platform. That's really amazing. <laughs> this episode of the Drunken UX Podcast is brought to you by something really cool. It's an alternative to .com. It's the .design domain name. I'm a big fan of interesting, unique website names. So if you're a designer and you've thought of the perfect name for your website and it isn't available under .com, check out .design. Chances are the domain name you want is waiting for you. Head to porkbun.com and use the coupon code DRUNKENUX on the checkout page to get a free .design domain name for your website. Face it, there are no good .coms left. Years down the road, we're going to care about cool, nice URLs that are relevant to the website you're going to. And the fact that there's so many TLDs to choose from, you really can get a domain name that's right for you and right for your business. Dot .design is a great one. Visit porkmun.com now and use the coupon code DRUNKENUX at checkout and literally get a year of a dot .design domain name for free. It's bundled with free email hosting, who is privacy, and SSL certs. That's a lot. For nothing. Forget dot coms. Dot design is widely used. There's Airbnb dot design, Facebook dot design, Uber dot design, Adobe dot design, and so many more. Google doesn't care. It functions the same way as a dot com or dot org. It's just more interesting. It's better branding. It looks great on resumes or business cards, and it looks awesome on email addresses. Dot design reflects what you do as a designer. Did we mention it's free and includes a year of email hosting, who is privacy, and SSL certs, and all of that stuff? 
Just go to porkbun.com and use coupon code DRUNKENUX at checkout. I hope you had a fun chat with this. I know, again, we've kind of uh, changed things up a little bit. I like talking about current events and stuff, and I think uh, it's easy to dig into some of the technical conversations, but I think these are also highly worthwhile and uh, good from a strategy standpoint. So I hope you enjoyed it. Let us know. And um, like I say, I said before the break, share your thoughts with us. Hit us wherever. Yeah, you should hit us up on Twitter and Facebook.com slash DrunkenUX and also on Instagram. Check out some of our code samples that Michael's posting and comment on or them. send us one if you I'll think you've got a good one. I'll put it up there. Or that too. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Instagram.com slash DrunkenUXPodcast. And also come chat with us on Slack. I'll give you shout outs. Uh, it's uh, DrunkenUX.com slash Slack. Also a great way to share code snippets. Yes. <laughs> DrunkenUX.com slash Slack. Folks, uh, I look forward to finishing out the year with you. We've got a few more interviews coming up, a few more topics on the docket. Um, we keep trying to think about ways to help you be better, think smarter, be strategic, and help your users out. And at the end of the day, the best advice that I've ever given anybody in my entire life from start to finish, whether it was <laughs> with Aaron an hour ago or with you right now, it's I hope that you're keeping your users close. And you're, Nope, that's not right, is it? Nope. See? You, it's Magneto. It's, you have to keep it's, Magneto. It's, uh, it's the Scotch and the magi- mag- 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 Magento. Uh, folks, <laughs> keep your personas close and your users closer. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye.